Hello, you are listening to Everyday Creative People. I'm your host, Dina Adrians, and this podcast is for the doers, dreamers, and makers of the world. For anyone who wishes they had more time and freedom to play, who struggles with creative blocks, or who is trying to figure out how to make a living while making art, I'm here to stumble through the madness by your side. Once you've finished listening to today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment, and tell a friend. You can join the community over in the Creative Playground Facebook group and find all the show notes at dinaadriance.com slash ecdpodcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. How's it going? Very good. How about you, Dana? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, So I'm excited to chat with you about creativity today. So just to start off with, tell me a little bit about, you know, introduce yourself. Who are you? What kind of a role does art play in your life? Introduce yourself. All right. So the first uh, question, well, who am I? I'm, I'm, my name is Awais Javed. I'm a, I'm a, third fourth year phd student it's kind of complicated because i did, did a master's as well in, in specifically in molecular biology so i'm a i'm a scientist by trade um and i recently about two years ago started painting um oil oil paintings ma- mainly and that's uh, that's how i really got into creativity in general but um art has played a significant uh role in my life previously uh, not while I was growing up, but mainly after I moved out of the place I was growing up in. So out of my hometown, you could say, because I am a uh, first generation Pakistani that was born in Saudi Arabia. So it, uh, it, because of the political climate of that country, it's very hard to be an artist. Mm. Um, and so in the beginning of my life, I never was interested in art, uh, mainly because of the, you could say the conditioning. Uh, done by basically the education system. But after that, once I moved out of Saudi Arabia is when I was more exposed to all the different sorts of arts. Um, uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's how my, I guess, creative journey began my artistic. Yeah. How did you, what, like, what was your first real exposure to art? Right. So, I mean, living in, in Saudi Arabia, I was always watching TV shows and all sorts of things. So it wasn't like I was not exposed to art, but sure. it's, as, as a creator, you know, that the, my first experience was when I moved out of Saudi Arabia, I did my undergraduate degree from uh, UCL London uh, and in the UK. And then it, it, at UCL, there was a program that basically can, uh, transfers people who are from a different background, who have a schooling from a different background into the normalized system of the UK. It's called a foundation course. Uh, okay. uh, and it was centered around science particularly. So I was doing, uh, you know, high school, the, the two years, last two years of high school hmm. uh, squished into one. But the, the, the cool thing about that program was that they would also expose us to the cultural aspect of the UK. So they would take us to uh, field trips and all the the different sorts of uh, you know museums and all all that sort of thing, and the first field trip we had was was going to Stratford upon Avon um, to see the birthplace of William Shakespeare, ah. and and uh, Twelfth Night was the first play that that I saw ever in my entire life live, 
Um, wow. And it was at the Royal Shakespeare Academy uh, in, uh, and it was, it was an enlightening experience to say the least. Um, it was yeah, that's quite, a, that's quite yeah. a starting point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it set the bar pretty high, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, and then after that, I, I obviously got really busy because I was trying to get into, uh, because even after that whole foundation year, you're not guaranteed to get a place into mm. the undergraduate degree. Um, so I, I really got, you know, uh, heavily invested in, in, in uh, getting my degree uh, started. So mm-hmm. I, I, I continued on to biology. I mean, biology, and let me make that very clear, has always been uh, my, my, my first and foremost passion uh, mm-hmm. as a career. Uh, I want to make that absolutely clear. Biology is my passion. I, um, j- mainly because of the education system, which focuses a lot on, on sciences and engineering in particular. Um, um, growing up, I just got very interested in how things work mainly that's just just mm-hmm. being curious about how how you know how we are developed how how the world is developed all of the encompassing scientific questions that those are the the ones that I was always interested in and I wanted to do this for, for as a career um, but again that, that's just a part of it for any individual's life I believe I think it's it's it could be your career, but at the same time, you could also add in in creativity to to really, you know, uh, be, have a fulfilling experience uh, in this. Yeah. Life. So I'm curious, you know, okay, so you are coming from Saudi Arabia, like no exposure to the act of creation. Um, you come to the UK and you have this sort of introduction to live theater. What was the first moment at which you felt like, oh, I want to create. I want to be a creator or an artist of some kinds. So when I watched the play for the first time, I, I think it was a subconscious thing at the time. I did, not, I did not think that, oh, I could be a creator. You know, I wouldn't think of myself as being a creator. But seeing people perform live and being exceptional at it, you know, just the, the mere act of, of drawing all the, this whole crowd and and then the music and then the writing and 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 then the acting i mean all of that together i felt like it's 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 just as if i was the director of that play i would be very happy with myself and i think all in all this this is the i don't have a one particular moment in my my own life that i can really put my hands down and say this is it this is when i realized that i wanted mm-hmm. to be a creator but one significant uh, event I would say is uh, I was in the second year of my undergrad and um, I was part of the Pakistan society because I'm I was a first-generation Pakistani so I would identify myself as a Pakistani more than a Saudi Arabian uh, it's a, it's complicated but essentially me I thought of myself as a Pakistani and I joined the Pakistani society and there they wanted to do a play so they wanted to essentially you know uh, uh, act out a whole play and, and they had auditions and I was you know I was curious I was like why, why not you know just just give it a try what, what, what would ha- what's the worst that would happen and then I went there and it, and it turned out to be a comedy play and I got for you know uh, I made so many friends there and, and I got into the play and I acted for the first time too um, uh, which was a very small role uh, uh, and <laughs> Although in hindsight, it seemed like the, I did not do a good job. I think that's probably why I've 
I think of myself as a, as a perfectionist. That's why I think it was bad, but it probably okay. It wasn't that bad, but all in all, it, I, I feel like that's when I was truly exposed to, to creating something because uh, mm. I was creating my own role in that, in that play, even though I was not involved in the writing, uh, we were giving, given complete freedom of how we want to portray the character. And that's when I, I, I that's when I really, you know, you could say came out of the egg and, 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 and rose like a phoenix if, we'll, if that analogy <laughs> even works. Um, yeah. What, so what about that process was so exciting to you? I, me walking onto the stage, I call it the walk. And I, I had more experiences after that in acting. Uh, mm-hmm. But the walk is, is, is essentially... Uh, you could say that the most tense feeling as well, because you're walking to the stage where you're about to give a monologue, you're about to uh, say a few lines. That that whole period is 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 of complete bliss. You're either going to completely amaze your audience, you're going to blow their mind with your performance, or you're going to do a passable job, or you're going to just really crash under pressure. And this is the feeling of of um, you know, of, of complete danger, one would say. It's, it's mm. akin to uh, the flight or fight response in a way. <laughs> you yeah. know, in our own biology, it's, 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 it's very similar. So that, that is, is, I think, that is what really draw, that would really draw me in. It's just walking up to the stage right before you're about to say the lines. That is it. That, that's the feeling mm. to live in, I think. Mm. I can totally relate to that having come from a theater background myself um it's been a while since i was in a play but i i think every single time i've ever gotten on stage there's like that feeling of <laughs> that feeling of like i'm gonna crap my pants <laughs> i don't go onto the stage right now and maybe i will if i am on the stage <laughs> um but yeah just the the thrill of of making it happen and, and doing a good job. I, I Absolutely. I, I recently, uh, this is very recent. This is actually last week. So I've been, um, I've been trying to create a drama club at my institute. No way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so for that, what I did was it was, uh, it was our Halloween, annual Halloween party. Uh, and uh, I recruited a few people to insult me uh, like crazy and loudly in front of everybody. Um, and I was wearing a banana costume. Um, <laughs> so I wrote a banana monologue too. I wrote a monologue about how a banana is not treated the same in all the fruit cocktails. Uh, uh, you know, you, you have uh, all the different sort of cocktails that you use uh, using different fruits, but bananas are the least appreciated. Mm. And uh, so that, I know it's, it's, it's completely ridiculous. It's not supposed <laughs> to make any sense. So all of my uh, lab, uh, lab colleagues and everybody started yelling at me and, and being extremely, I told them to be as, you know, uh, insulting as you can be. This is the one chance in your entire life you're ever going to insult me without any repercussions. So just go for it, you know. Um, and they did. All of them did. Everybody was looking at me. And then um, a friend of mine, also uh, part of the drama club, uh, she held like a torch right in front, torch, torch light right in front of me. And we turned off the lights. We put the music on. It was a sad violin music. And I was wearing a banana costume and doing this monologue. And so I did the monologue. Everybody liked it. I, o- I already got like nine recruits. So we are starting a drama club at, at, at my institute. But right before it, I was extremely nervous. I was... 
I hadn't done this in four years. The last time I acted in a play was in the last year of my undergrad in a, uh, in a play. And it was, it was gripping. Then I realized, wait, I haven't done the walk. I have been here the whole time at the stage. So mm. that's the reason why I'm nervous. So I went outside, I, I composed myself, and I did the walk. I literally walked in, did my uh, signal to all the people who were part of the performance. Uh, this, it was a banana signal. Um, it's, like a, it's like the, you know, the, it's, it's making a hand by a, from, uh, making a banana from your hand with a, the pinky and the thumb stretched out, and you're the, the, making a fist, but you're, Pinky and thumb yeah. yeah, and just yeah, going back and forth. So I mean, only a few people would get it who would know what it is. Um, and 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 when, once I did the walk, I mean, it was like, oh wait, I'm I'm back in 2013 uh, for my last year of undergrad, <laughs> <laughs> presenting in front of uh, performing in front of like a hundred uh, something people. So and, mm-hmm. and then it was just just you know one after the other, line after line, and it was everybody would were fairly impressed and, and I was very happy about the performance in, at the end and uh, and so yeah so, so it's, it's you know these little rituals I guess in a way they do help uh, not for everybody maybe but for, for me particularly they did help. Yeah that's such a fascinating story because I think it's something that's really unique to the performing arts or I should say it's really unique to the theater where you're taking on a role that is other than yourself and there is that you have to have that transition period, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever done any clowning or seen any clown work done, um, but that's something that um, there's like a process as the person, because with a clown, you know, you're you're completely putting, covering yourself in makeup and costume, um, and you're really becoming this other character. There's something about that process of, stepping into the other character and and disconnecting yourself from who you are in real life um, right yeah that yeah. you have to have that proper transition so it's it's just so interesting that you you realize that you had to actually leave the room and come back in in order to really step into your role. (laughs) I love that. Um, So, okay, so we've been talking a lot about theater, but I know you said that painting is your primary art form. Um, So why painting? How did that happen? Oh yeah, that's a, it's a long story, but the gist of it is, is uh, an event, a personal event in my life happened that that essentially triggered me to find a way to express myself. Hmm. And um, coming from Saudi Arabia, from an old boys school for that matter, you know, we're not told to express our opinion or our, you know, feelings at all. Like that's, Hmm. that's unheard of. It's so, so I never, in fact, learned how to do this. And, and the, the best way to overcome it is to actually go to therapy and, and you know, work on it with a professional. Um, but at the time I was transitioning from a master's student to a PhD student, the workload was intense and, and, and one tends to forget about their own mental health or whatever you want, want to say about it. it, it it's, one tends to forget about it. It's, it's extremely important. Uh, as a professional, as a creative, as as a human being, to to really uh, nurture your own mental health as you proceed in life. Um, but at the time, I I I truly believed I did not have the time to to really take care of myself. So mm-hmm. so I was going to Amazon. I don't know what I was buying, uh, but I saw uh, an ad for for you know painting supplies, and I was like, you know what? Let's let's try it. Let's just order it. Uh, let's just order the painting set, the a canvas, 
uh, that I bought from Dollarama, in fact. So, um, and and just just work on it. Just just see how it fits. So my very first painting was in fact about uh, about what I was going through, and um, and once I painted it, I looked at it. I was like, I just created this. You know, I just out of just my imagination, I put a few lines, a few you know ounces of color on this canvas, and I made it into a story. I told a story by a picture, and that really blew my mind. Uh, I had never done this before. Hmm. Even I did not have arts and crafts class growing up either because, you know, we're all taught to learn either engineering or science and not waste our time with arts. So, you know, it's that moment right there when I saw my own painting and I was like, what, this is possible? This is something I could do on my spare time. Hmm. And I have this spare time. This took me two hours, maybe. Hmm. Everybody has two hours. I mean, who doesn't? Hmm. And so I, I, and the painting supplies were pretty decent. They, I did not run out of all the paint. And then I did subsequent paintings because I was not at a level of, of an artist. You know, I'm, I was completely amateur. I still am. I, I believe I'm not a professional at all. It's just the mere process of learning to get better. You know, uh, hmm. as a scientist, we're taught to do this. We're taught to, to just pick a problem work at the problem. If there are any techniques I need to learn to answer the question hmm. of the problem, then you just learn it on the way and you optimize it. You keep on going until you find the right conditions to execute it. And that's exactly what I was doing with painting. I was, I was, I was trying different techniques. I was watching Bob Ross videos and all <laughs> sorts of different things. Wet on wet technique is phenomenal, by the way. It's so much fun to paint with wet on wet. You first paint like a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but if you, you just paint like a white layer first and then you paint on top of the white mm-hmm. layer, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it really improves. Anyway, that's a completely different thing. <laughs> so all of these things I learned on my own. And, and the one thing I was worried about while I was learning to paint was that if I, if I spend too much time looking at other people's art, um, I would be so heavily influenced by them that I would not have my own unique expression. Mm-hmm. And so first I would need to develop my unique expression to know exactly where I stand, what is my own style before I could start uh, looking for inspiration in, in other paintings. Um, yeah. So I, I just, just working on my technique, brushwork, um, all of the, the, the really, you know, the things that an artist would take for granted because they've gone through art school or they've, they've had artistic training in their life. Uh, I had to basically learn on my own watching YouTube videos and, and which uh, one, one particular YouTuber I have to call out is, is Robin Schultz. Uh, she is, her videos are, are usually very funny, but at the same time, her technique is, 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 is more towards realistic paintings. Um, mm. um, uh, but now she's also experimenting with impressionist paintings and all different sorts of things. And my style is not realistic, but I would like to be a realistic painter. You see, so, so that her her work her YouTube work has really uh, helped me uh, get better at painting itself the tech, technical side of it. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So I'm so I, I'm so fascinated by the way in which your background in science has enabled you to really pick up an art form you know, at a quote unquote, relatively late stage in your life, as in not when you were a child. (laughs) Um, And to, you know, what am I trying to say? 
I think a lot of what you were describing is these are very common fears and concerns that people have when they say like, oh, you know, I'd love to be a creative person. I'd love to paint or I'd love to whatever. But they, uh, I know I've experienced this personally, right? Like it's so easy to let ourselves get bogged down with Mm -hmm. this idea of like, oh, well, you know, oh, my first painting that I did was total crap. So like, I clearly Mm -hmm. can't paint and I'm never going to be good at this. So why even bother? Right. Or, you know, we just, we stand in our own way a lot. Um, And, you know, you mentioned uh, at the beginning of your story, feeling like you didn't have time to take care of yourself. Like you were totally just overwhelmed and busy. I think you said this was when you were starting your PhD. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, So obviously PhD students have a lot going on, right? Like you had a very busy life, but you found a window of time in which you could paint. And then you applied this sort of scientific process of learning and growth to Mm -hmm. learn how to build this new skill, which I think is so awesome. I think that, you know, something that I'm so fascinated by is um, that there are, I I believe that there are a lot of people in the world who are um, what can, what has been called Renaissance souls, people who are drawn to a lot of different types of things, a lot of different types of information, um, Mm -hmm. types of things that they can do, create, et cetera. And, um, but we're taught often that we can only do one thing well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I love about your journey is that you are uh, a scientist at heart and you are pursuing science and, you know, taking it to as high of a level as you can. but at the same time, your, your science is feeding your art. And I'm curious to know if you feel like your art, your experience in the art world has impacted your work in science. Ooh, okay, so a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I, I agree with you about, uh, about Renaissance souls there. I do think that there are people who can do this. Uh, but at the same time, I think anybody can as well. It just takes a couple of people that believe in you. And I'm very fortunate for this. I, I'm completely leaving this out right now. But I have, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by people who truly believe in me. Mm. Um, yeah, who think that I, I can do this. I, I, I can be good at science and also be good at painting. Uh, there was a point in my life, uh, not a point actually, a couple of months ago, uh, where I had a friend who, whenever I showed him my paintings, he would put it, put it down, essentially. He would say, oh, this isn't... And he would bring up another friend that he has who does realistic paintings and show me pictures of his other paintings. I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gossiping about my friend, but <laughs> I, 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 he's not my friend anymore because I knew he would, he would put me down every time I would show him my painting. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it was a person... I mean, that person in particular was this kind of a person. So, I mean... You, sometimes you need to really find the right people around you that can help you yeah. get where you are. And honestly, this whole drama club uh, uh, story would not have happened if he was still a friend of mine. Mm. Because if I would have proposed this idea to him, he would, call, he would have called it ridiculous. He would have called him. Uh, it, it's just, why would you do this? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the benefit, you know? And he's a scientist. So, let me, so scientists are very particular. I, I, I have... Mm. I work with them. They're, they're, 
they're great, and lots of them are artists too. Uh, I know a few musicians in in in, uh, in at my institute now, but the ones that aren't, that were not creatively, you know, involved, they they tend to put um, anything else in sciences down a bit. And he was from a similar background as me, so I completely understand his point. Uh, he was a from South Asia, and he was. I mean, I understand completely where he was coming from when he said everything. But going back to your your point, is I think anybody can be a Renaissance soul as long as they have the the right sort of people that can that can provide support to them, mm -hmm. uh, and and not just financial support. I mean, taking that out of the the picture completely, emotional support is very important because as a scientist. I'm my boss uh, right now, who um, who's my supervisor. Uh, he is he is the perfect example of somebody who would believe in his students. So if if he was not my boss, if he had a different boss that uh, would not put me down, but who who would not tell me that you know you should keep trying, you should keep working at it. You can do it. It's easy. It's not it's not easy right now, but once you've done all the optimization for this particular experiment you will be so good at it the next time you just change the conditions and everything will fall into place. Hmm. Um, and having that person in your life who just tells you that although you're making mistakes, although you're failing miserably for five months for one particular experiment, um, you can still reach the end of the light. You, you, you can see the light at the end of the day. It, it will happen. Just keep on at it, you know? And I think that is, the most important part of any uh, professional who wants to also do some creative uh, work on the side. If you do not have this support system, I think the first thing you need to do is make that happen. Surround yourself with people who will take even your, your crappiest painting and tell you, okay, okay, we can work with this. You know, we can do maybe a few changes here and there, but this is great. You've started something amazing and you should keep doing this. Yeah, so so that's the first thing. And the second question I'm I'm forgetting now. Could you remind me? What <laughs> yeah, sorry, I packed a whole lot at you once. Yeah. So the, the second question was, you know, it's it sounds like your your experience with science has really uh, influenced a lot how you have approached your artistic mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know if the same thing has happened in reverse. How have Ooh, your experiences yeah. with art influenced your work as a scientist? I think it has. And an example of this is, um, the science is actually very creative. You need to be very creative in science because an answer to a problem is not just uh, A plus B is equal to, well, a plus, one plus two is equal to three. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's trying to find a different way to answer the same question. Even if you have the answer from the same experiment, that's not enough. You cannot still definitively believe in that answer or that result, just because uh, it could be a technical uh, artifact that you're you're focusing on that has has led to the right answer that you perceived to be right at the beginning. So you thought, oh, if I if I put this gene into this cell, it would give me this answer, and and you're happy with that answer if this actually is the answer of the experiment, mainly because it's what you thought. It was your hypothesis to begin with. But to find a different way to answer the same question, you need to be very creative. You need to find a, a completely different tool or a completely different technique to basically point at the same direction. And I think that is, is a very creative thing. I think that is what a lot of scientists struggle with, in fact. Uh, 
is they would they would do one experiment and 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 put all their bases on that experiment and say, oh, this is it. This is the answer. I can move on now. But uh, a mentor of mine also, uh, not my boss, but uh, a research associate in my lab, in our lab, who is now has his own lab in Ottawa, he always emphasized one thing is that never believe an experimental answer until you've done it from two different angles. Hmm. If And once you have done that, then you can start to believe it. <laughs> you know, you can start to say, okay, this could be real. Uh, and, and yeah, in a way, our art has also influenced my creative side in science. So uh, recently I had a, a, I had a problem, a scientific problem to answer. And, um, so you have different tools for different techniques, but um, I was able to essentially use two different techniques to merge them into one in a way to answer a question that I had already validated from a, a more, uh, you could say, valid, you know, uh, uh, known technique that everybody routinely uses. But using a different model entirely, a different set of circumstances, I essentially uh, manipulated the system to answer the same question. And that is that requires creativity. And if I hadn't, I if I hadn't been through my artistic process, as one would call it, I I think would not be able to you know f fully answer the scientific question this way. Mm. So yes, I completely agree. I I think art has influenced a lot in my scientific life too. So I think art is 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 is, is a complement to any prof profession in general. So I, I think, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. That has played a big role too. Yeah, that's very cool. What, what is the biggest thing that you have learned through practicing creativity in your life? Um, hmm, biggest thing. Um, that there's no stop to learning. That one could, doesn't matter at which stage in their life they are, um, and I guess that in a way, science has also taught me the same thing, but, but art m mainly because I started from scratch for art, but science I've been doing since I was growing up and in my schooling. But art itself, I've, especially painting in oil, it's, it's something I started with absolutely no background in. And even now, when I, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't call myself, a, you know, a critique in art either because if I have a very particular taste too when I look at art, um, I, and, and that's not because I don't like the painting. It's just, I'm not aware of how to look at it. You know, I'm not, I've not gone through the schooling or I've not gone through the educational system to really perceive how I should see art. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the arts that could, could essentially, for example, abstract art for me is, is very difficult to understand. I, as a scientist, it, it really is, is completely different because scientists require rationale. We always require rationale. And when you look at abstract art, it's very hard to find rationale. You really need to use your imagination there. And, and that's something I struggle with, I have to say. I, it's, it's very difficult for me to pinpoint um, critique at an abstract art, so I try to refrain from it, but sometimes <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so have you ever, it's so interesting because, you know, for me, I mean, I grew up surrounded by actually quite a bit of abstract art. And I think, you know, there's some abstract art that I don't particularly like, but there's some abstract art that I just find pleasing to look at. Like, I don't know that I understand it <laughs> or, or that there's 
a, you know, as you say, a, a rationale to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I find it pleasing to look at. Have you ever experienced that with abstract art? No, <laughs> I, I try to find, find the rationale, as I said, it's, and I think that's, that comes from my scientific training. Yeah. Um, and that comes from, from critiquing science in general, because that's essentially 80% of our work is to critique other people's work and your own work more importantly. And then 20% is actually do experiments. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I think that's the main reason why I, it's something I need to still broaden my perception mm. of. I need to, I need to really be exposed to more abstract art in a way and, and be able to, um, to dismiss or disregard the, the rationale behind a particular painting and just focus on, um, on, on how it looks as, as a whole, you know, as a, and, and I'm starting to do that now, but I'm still working on it. Have you ever seen, I'm, so this is so interesting to me because I, I'm, I'm thinking of, I know I've seen at least a few different examples of abstract art that is actually uh, based in science. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, my parents have a photograph that a friend of theirs created where I'm trying to remember exactly what the, what it was taken from. Um, but it's basically like, if you were to zoom in really close to a cell under a microscope, for example, uh -huh. and then blow that up into a four okay. by six painting, mm -hmm. like that might look very abstract, but it's actually biology. <laughs> right, yeah. So um, if you were to, like, have you ever seen anything like that? I would, if I would look at it, um, I would recognize it being a cell and it. yeah, and <laughs> I would straight away say, okay, that's a cell. That's a pretty good looking cell. And then I would, I would I'm like so that. Piece. I want to, I want to find one of these pieces of art and see if you can recognize what it is. Uh, some of the paintings I do, I actually put, um, a scientific twist to it and then that's a, 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 a sort of a series I'm trying to do on Instagram where I, I go to a particular location at, in uh, in the city I, I sketch it out on a piece of paper and then I come back home and and put it on a canvas and then add sort of like a twist to it to a scientific twist so a recent example was uh, La Cocasteur on, um, uh, on Montréal you know the, the lake in Montréal uh, yeah, there? up on the on the mountain. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I went there and I I, I painted the whole thing. Uh, not painted, sorry. I sketched the whole thing. Came back home, and um, so I wanted to show because there were a lot of people there. Everybody felt so connected. I wanted to show connectivity, and and the one place where you have the most connectivity in our bodies is is are the neurons in our brains, because um, they're all interlinked. They have to communicate with each other always in order to maintain the function me talking to you right now uh, I'm using a fair bit of my neurons to to activate and 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 in the future form memories and all those, those sorts of things all of this needs to be connected so it was very similar for me to to look at all the people you know just this consciousness being connected and and, and put that in paper so instead of the water I just put a pool of neurons um, and it came it came out as, as a really nice painting with uh, with an artistic twist to it and one would call that um, sort of abstract because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is absolutely makes no sense whatsoever, but it still has a rationale, right? So I, the rationale is that the neurons are, are like the connections between people. Um, mm. 
and that there's still there's still a story in there you know there's still yeah. something you could you could relate to another example is uh i went to amsterdam or or the summer break uh for uh for vacation and there i felt um so i i i went to a cafe right opposite to van gogh museum and i could see the van gogh museum and i i basically painted a cafe creepily uh, all the people in there too i felt pretty <laughs> terrible because i had never done this before um uh, I, I sketched everybody out. Uh, I was trying not to stare at people for too long because they would notice. Um, I don't know if people do this. Is, is, is this weird? Is this I, weird? I think people do this. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fine. Then I don't feel like a complete creep. Um, so I, I sketched everybody out and, um, and then I came home and I felt like the whole city was a beating heart. It was, it mm. was just, you know, because of the, the, the cycling, the constant cycling and just the active, feeling of the of the whole uh, city I, I felt like a heart would really represent the city and then i i painted a heart right in front of it with a with a few abstract things like a, a chairs just being there and then a mirror that is just displaying chairs so lots of it doesn't really make sense in a way it's, it's very abstract um uh, but it's more surreal than abstract if you ask me it's it's, it's it mm. still has a rationale behind it even though yeah. it's a ridiculous rationale but so that's that's another example of of how I've, um, uh, I've merged uh, science. I tried to at least merge science and, and art together. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. But so I have just a few more questions for you. One question is because I know that you spend a lot of time in the lab each week, and I'm just uh -huh. curious: on an average week, how uh -huh. many hours do you spend in the lab? How many hours? Doing, uh, doing your like science work. So I don't take weekends off. Um, even after this, I'm going to go to the lab and get some work done. Um, on the weekends, I do take it easy. I, I come in later. So it, it's a six hour work day usually. Um, mm -hmm. And so six and six and then 10 hours per, um, weekday. per weekday. So that would be 50 or 62, yeah? Around 60, 60 hours. hours a day. Yeah, that um, seems about right. And, yeah. and how much time how often do you paint or, or do other artwork? Um, so I try to give myself uh, a more broad sort of goal uh, mm -hmm. for that because it's, because I, I mean, my, I have a job. Uh, it's very yeah. hard to, so I can't just be like, oh, I need to spend more time painting. I need to first focus on the job, right? So mm -hmm. I give myself two paintings a month at least. Mm. Uh, and then I just, if the inspiration comes, that's great. But if I'm getting closer to the deadline of the month uh, that I put myself through, I, I give myself a deadline. Like, this is the first painting needs to be finished around that time. Then I just sit down and, and I, just, I, just, I just work on it. I, just, I don't wait for inspiration. I don't, I don't care for anything. I just sit there and I, I put all my energy into putting together a, a sketch. Um, whether it's going to be crap, doesn't matter. It just needs to be on. on um, on the canvas it just needs to be there yeah um so that's i guess in a way if i have a block for example if i um if if i'm struggling with inspiration this is the best way just to sit down take a cup of coffee or or sometimes a red bull it really helps um, <laughs> i mean not not sponsored by red bull at all um, but um it it really helps to just sit down caffeinate yourself like crazy and then and then just go crazy with your mind wherever you yeah. want to go. Yeah, and just put it on paper. Just uh, put it on a, a sketch 
and work at it, you know? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, is there any last things that you want to share before we wrap up this call? Any last thing? Um, one main thing, in fact, don't be scared. If, if somebody is listening to this and they, they're thinking, oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's not possible. No, it's possible. Don't be scared. It's, it, it starts off as the, the most ridiculous thing. Any idea in your life would be first uh, very ridiculous. It would be very hard to do. But then once, once you just realize that, you know, you're, if, even if you fail, it's fine. You have some security. You know, you have, a, for example, if you're a professional in a, in a field, you still have your job. You're not losing your job because you failed at a side thing, you know, for you as a professional. Uh, but it's more to, more to learn as you go along. It's more to take every single aspect of it and really bring yourself uh, forward and improve yourself as you as you proceed with your artistic process so i guess yeah the main thing is just never be afraid about about learning it's it's the cornerstone of your own development i mean if you're not gonna do it who is you know it's hmm. yeah it's just you standing in front of you i know it sounds very motivational uh i don't want to come <laughs> off as a motivational speaker it's it's really down to that i mean and sometimes a trigger is is a personal event in your life, and mm-hmm. you know you could you could use that personal event as as something on the negative side and and really you know place yourself in a in a place where you would struggle to be, become and be the best person you are but you could also use that as a as a as a as a lean in a lead into uh an artistic process and a completely different uh experience that you would never have done if you didn't go through that event i mean i'm just telling from experience mm. because i yeah. do feel like that one create with that one moment in my life really changed my perception of, of art itself and also how i could be an artist and express myself uh, so yeah so that's yeah. the last thing i would say I think that's true for a lot of people um yeah there yeah, are absolutely. things that happen in your life that need to be expressed and so you have to find a way to to bring it to fruition Mm-hmm. sort of creative Absolutely. act. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I know you mentioned your Instagram, um, that you've been yeah. doing things on Instagram. Would you mind sharing your Instagram handle yeah. with the audience? I am at awaisj, A-W-A-I-S-J-14 uh, on Instagram. I also have a Facebook page that I'm currently working on <laughs> <laughs> put together, um, which is called awaste.art. So it would be facebook.com slash awaste.art. And um, I share my paintings on there if uh, anybody listening is interested. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Awaste. It's been really awesome chatting with you about your creative journey today. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Everyday Creative People. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment, and tell a friend. Drop me a note on Facebook at Dina Adrian's Coaching and join the community over in the Creative Playground Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. See you again next Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel.